Hey, this is Pastor Mark, and before we get into our message, I want to take a moment and let you know about a special season happening at Anchor Faith Church right now. It's our stretch season. This is our opportunity to look back on the year God has blessed us with, but also a time of anticipation for what is yet to come. We believe what God has called us to requires us to stretch our faith in ways we've never seen before. In fact, on December 8th, our church will be stretching our faith together in the area of finance by giving a one-time gift above and beyond our regular giving. These resources go directly to continuing to do what God has called us to do by igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world. I'm inviting you to participate with us by giving financially and stretching your faith. You can give online by visiting anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. Your gifts are greatly appreciated, and we believe your faith will be increased as you act in obedience. Thank you for partnering with this move of God, and we agree with you that your best is yet to come. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8. And um, I hope y'all are getting prepared for this weekend as we stretch together, amen? It's been an incredible season, an incredible series. And uh, I don't know about you, I just feel like we're on the verge of something. And I don't know if that's just for me, I'm going to take it and run with it, uh, but I believe that there's just something shifting in the air for the church of God, and um, I want to be ready for it, amen? The worst thing that could happen is a miracle pass you by. The worst thing that could happen is we are not prepared, ready to receive what God has for us, and there's a readiness, there's a preparedness, there is a... Uh, an expectation, an anticipation that has to be built uh, for us to receive what God has. You know, I was thinking the other day about all the individuals, you know, in Jesus's mighty ministry, his dynamic ministry. And here we're going to read of an individual that received from the Lord, received uh, not even a miracle for himself, but a miracle for someone else. Uh, but this man didn't even know the Lord. This man didn't even know, wasn't even a follower of God, didn't even really know who Jesus was as far as him being the son of God. Uh, but then there were those that were right by Jesus, were right around him. I mean, you think of people like Judas. Uh, you know, Judas had a great pastor, had a great leader, had a great teacher, had a great counselor, had a great advisor, uh, had, you know, the, one, one of the best friends you could ever find, uh, and look where he ended up. And so uh, it's important that we, we recognize that there's got to be something that is done on the inside of us, um, you know, going to church or being around good people and, and uh, you know, I'll even take it a step further, reading your Bible doesn't automatically uh, produce results in your life. There's got to be an expectation, then there's application, and, and, and so on and so forth. So we got to be ready for what God wants to do. That's what I'm trying to say. You got to come ready. You got to be receptive. You got to draw. And, 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 and I believe going into this new year, um, you know, I, I, honestly, God can move whenever he wants, right? 
I don't, know, I don't know that God's necessarily up in heaven flipping a calendar and saying, all right, 2020, here we come. But there's just something about December 31st turning into January 1st and, and the 19 going away and the 20 coming in and, and, and the numbers changing and you spend 21 days learning how to write the new year, uh, you know. Uh, but there's just something about the beginning of something that it's not God that's been waiting for January 2020, but he's been waiting on us. And so if that's what we need to kind of kick us in the seat a little bit, and if that's what we need to kind of raise our expectations, say, you know what, 2019 was lousy, 2019 was sorry, 2019 was so-so, but 2020, I'm ready for 2020. Anybody else ready for 2020? So, you know, we've got to get ourselves prepared. And here in Matthew chapter 8, this is a really interesting story. Here in verse 5, and um, I believe I, we've got it loaded up there in the, the New Living, so let me pull that up here. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 in the New Living. Here we go. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer, this is a Roman officer, a Roman centurion, that if you know anything about uh, Jesus and his ministry and his life, he was put to death by Roman centurions. They're the, literally the ones that put nails through his hands. They're the ones that put nails through his feet. They're the ones that uh, put the crown of thorns on his head. They're the ones that split open his back. They're the ones that killed him, okay? Now, they were just following the orders. They were on the execution side. They were carrying it out, but it was ultimately the intention and the motivation of the religious leaders that put Jesus in that position. In fact, uh, uh, Pontius Pilate tried to hand him back over. <laughs> Pontius, this is a crazy guy, but I don't see any reason to kill him. Uh, you know, get him out of here. And, you know, the religious leaders push and push. But this man is not a follower of God. This is not a righteous man. This is not a man uh, that knows the law, knows the scripture, as did the religious leaders, as did the, the, the rulers of that time. This is a Roman officer. And he, claimed, uh, he came and he pleaded with him, saying, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Isn't that interesting that he's coming and pleading to Jesus on the behalf of his servant, on the behalf of someone that works in his house, on the behalf of not even coming for himself, not even for his own miracle, but for a miracle of another, and then even a, not even like a loved one, not, not someone that he you know, necessarily deeply cares about, but this is on behalf of his servant. And so he's coming and pleading with Jesus because he sees something about Jesus that he can draw on. He says, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus says this, I will come and heal him. I will, I just got here to Capernaum, but I will come to wherever he is and heal him, lead the way. And we've seen other individuals utilize their faith in that regard. If you remember a man named Jairus, Jairus was a, a, a ruler of the synagogue and his daughter being 12 years old was at the point of death. She wasn't dead yet, but Jairus came to Jesus and said what? If you come and you lay your hands on my daughter, I know that she will be made well. You know, faith is like a muscle. And so our faith can be developed 
Everybody in here has faith developed or underdeveloped to greater and lesser degrees. So everyone, the Bible says, is given a measure of faith. When you came into the kingdom of God, you come, you come in with a measure of faith. But it's what you do with that measure that determines what you get out of it, right? I mean, everybody in this room has muscles. <laughs> you, you have to have muscles to, for your body to work, for your body to uh, operate the way it's designed to. But we all develop them to lesser or greater degrees. Maybe intentionally or maybe your, your, your work or your occupation demands that you use your muscles more than others. Maybe you use certain muscles more than other muscles in your body. So what gets used, what you're utilizing, what you're putting into practice, what you're applying, that's where your faith gets strengthened. I've seen people, they have great faith for healing. Man, they can see miracles. They can see their, their bodies restored, their bodies. But then when it comes to finances, they struggle a little bit because they've developed their faith in one area, but they haven't given much attention to the other area. And so our faith must grow. Our faith must develop. And this is the thing. You don't want to call upon faith that hasn't been developed when you need it. You don't wait till you need the faith to develop the faith. Right? No, I want to be ready to go when that season comes. I want to be ready to utilize my faith in that arena before I get there. I don't want to wait until I've got a financial uh, uh, circumstance in my life that demands me to... I want to start building my faith there now. I want to start applying my faith. I want to start calling out uh, the word of God, the scriptures regarding my finances, the scriptures regarding my health, the scriptures regarding my family, the scriptures regarding my protection. I want to keep these things stirred up because wherever I utilize or practice or develop my faith, that's where it gets strengthened. So that when the test comes, when the trial comes, I'm ready to persevere. I'm ready to endure. You know, you don't want to wait till the Super Bowl to start practicing routes, right? That's not the time to start working on, uh, you know, that's, that's not when Tom Brady wants to be hooking up with his receivers and saying, all right, let's, what are we going to do out there? No, they've been working from that from what? The camps, the training camps. In baseball, they've got spring training, and that is where they're working on fundamentals. They're working on basics. They're working on elementaries. The stuff that my son doesn't think he, that, that professionals have to work on anymore. My son uh, told me a hilarious joke when we started up baseball. Uh, he thought it was uh, too babyish for him to hit off of a tee. He's like, I've, I've, I've upgraded from that. I don't have to hit off a tee. Like, you realize they make $50 million a year and they hit off tees every day, hundreds of them. You will hit off a tee for as long as you want to be good at this sport. You better get used to it. Why? Because I want to be ready when the time comes. I don't want to wait until the trial and the test comes. And so this man, he's coming, he's pleading, but he has a different level of faith. He's, he's operating and uh, uh, revealing a different level of faith than we've seen anybody else at this point. No one at this point has said, has said what this man's about to say. So Jesus says, I will come and heal him. Jesus was coming down and saying, okay, here's what's gonna happen. But the officer said, verse eight, Lord. That's the second time he's called him Lord, by the way. And that's important. We're about to find out why. Lord, 
I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. No one in Jesus's ministry to this point showed that kind of faith. Operated with just, just say the word, Lord. I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. Now he's coming from a position of unworthiness. He's coming from a position uh, where he's separated from God. He recognizes, I, I'm, not, I'm not on your side. I, I'm not for, I, you know, but, but, but I see something that you have that I need. All of us at some point are approached in life. You know, it's amazing. You know, I, I see people puffed up when things are good. Things are going great. But you will always come to a breaking point. And the faster you can come to your breaking point, the quicker you can learn, I need him. There's a breaking point for everybody. Oh, I don't, I don't need help. I don't need church. I don't need the word. I don't need you. You will find a breaking point at some point in your life. And, 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 and if it's not you, it might be somebody you know. There might be, there will be a situation or circumstance where it's going to come to the point, I need Jesus. And so this man comes with the need. He recognized this man has the answer to what I need. But he makes this statement, just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. Now look at why, uh, at the reason he lists for this level of faith. I know this because I am a man under the authority of my superior officers. And... I have authority over my soldiers. He immediately jumps to chain and command. He immediately jumps to authority. He immediately jumps to uh, uh, control. He immediately jumps to what the power of my word has. I have authority over my soldiers and I only need to say go and they go or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Now, this is interesting for several reasons. Number one, most individuals that saw Jesus or learned of who he was saw him as a religious figure, saw him as the coming Messiah, saw him uh, as the son of God, those that received him. But this man sees him from a different perspective, from a different standpoint, from the more accurate standpoint, if you will. He sees Jesus not as a religious figure, but an authority figure. He identifies with Jesus in a way that nobody else has. He says, for I also, he actually equates himself with Jesus. He doesn't know about God. He doesn't care about the Father in heaven. He doesn't care about this is the man that's come to save us from our sins. He doesn't care that this is the Messiah that's been prophesied about year after year. These Roman soldiers are, are, are ruling in this territory on assignment. They're not from this area. They've been placed here by the Roman government back in Italy, back in Rome. 
So they don't care about their traditions. They don't care about their gods. They don't care about their worship. They don't care about who they serve. They don't care about who they submit themselves to. They're there on assignment to colonize this territory to make it look like Roman territory. That's all he's there for. He's not here to to learn of their ways and their traditions. So he sees Jesus from a standpoint, from, from, from coming outside the box, so to speak, on the outside looking in, and he sees Jesus not as a religious figure, not as a coming Messiah. He sees Jesus as someone with authority, someone with the ability to speak and things change. That's a position of authority. Now, it's always interesting to me when I look at this passage that he doesn't highlight the fact that he's a man in authority initially. The first thing he says is, I know this because I am a man under authority, just as you are a man under authority. Now, this is the thing that we have to understand is that our authority only works to the level of our submission. Our authority only works to the level of our submission. If you're in authority and the the authority is being exercised accurately, if, if, if things are changing, then it means it's an indicator that you're under authority somewhere. And again, he doesn't know about God. He doesn't know about the Father in heaven, the creator of the universe. He just recognizes when you say things, things change. That must mean that you're listening to what somebody else is telling you to do. This is the first thing we have to understand about our authority. It's the first thing we have to understand about our position in Christ is that my position of authority, for it to operate properly and operate according to the word of God, I first must identify my position of submission to God. And we've covered this before, but, 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 and and this might be new for some people and that's all right, but we were created to rule and to have dominion on this earth. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. We were not here to play church. We were not here to start a religion. We were not here to have Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals and and, and Episcopalians and whatever. We weren't here to do all that silliness. We were here to rule and reign on the earth, to carry out God's will and God's plan on this planet. That's why Adam and Eve were placed here in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let them have dominion. Let them rule. Let them reign. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, everything that creeps on the earth. Let them rule over all the earth. That's what man was created for, was to maintain the earth, to exercise our rule and our authority as given by God. So where did we mess up? Because in Genesis chapter one and in Genesis chapter two and in about five verses in Genesis chapter three, everything's fine. No problem. Where do we mess up? Disobedience. What's disobedience? A lack of submission to the king. Well, guess what happens? When I do not exercise my submission, I can no longer exercise my authority. So what happened there in Genesis chapter three? 
What did Adam and Eve lose? Access to heaven? No. They weren't looking for heaven. Adam and Eve were not walking around this planet saying, when's Jesus coming back? I just can't wait to go to heaven and be with the Father and walk on streets of gold. And, and you know, there's, there's no weeping there. There's no crying there. I'm going to go live in my mansion. I hope it's big. I hope it's close to Jesus. They weren't worried about any of that. The only thing Adam and Eve were concerned with was the affairs of this earth and executing their Father's will, the Creator's will, over this planet. So what did they lose? They didn't lose... They didn't all of a sudden, well, guess we're not going to heaven now. No, they lost their authority. They lost the ability to rule on this earth and they handed over their authority to Satan because that's what Satan wanted all along. That's what that serpent wanted all along, right? I mean, he tried to get God himself to bow down to him. Didn't go very well for him. Got sent down to the earth like lightning, took a third of the angels with him. You don't want to rise up against God. You want to submit to God. You want to submit to his plan. Submission is the key. Submission is the key to us seeing the plan of God unfold in our lives. And so this man, this centurion comes to Jesus and the first thing he identifies is you have something that I need and the way I'm going to access it is by submitting to you, he calls him Lord twice. Two times he calls him Lord. Now, we don't really understand the term Lord. You know, we don't really have a frame of reference in our day and age, but the closest thing that we can look at for an idea of what a Lord looks like would be like a landlord. If you rent a piece of property, if you rent a home or rent a property from somebody, you have a landlord. Now, the landlord owns it, but he does not control it. The landlord owns the property. When I rented from an individual, I didn't have to call him when I wanted to change the thermostat. Hey, you mind if I set it down to 70? That would be silly. He'd be like, uh, you're there. You set it to whatever you want. That's your place. In fact, he would expect me to manage it, control it, and maintain it appropriately. Now, that had its limitations. I couldn't sell the house <laughs> and make a profit off of it, right? I don't own it. But I am there to control it and to manage it, to make sure it's taken care of. And guess what? When I go to the landlord... If something breaks in the home, guess whose responsibility is? The Lord's, the landlord. So look, now apply that to what this Roman centurion that recognizes this is a man under authority. And I recognize you have authority because you're submitted to authority. And I'm coming to you, Lord, Lord. I'm coming to you because you are able, I'm here I'm, I'm, I have a part to play in this, but I can't heal the man. But I can come pleading to you. You're the Lord, you fix it. The AC's broke, you fix it. The roof needs repair, we got some leaks, you fix it. I mean, just this year, we had a, a brand new roof put on this property, on this building. Just this year. Didn't cost me a dime, because I don't own it. 
the privilege of renting. The privilege of, of renting a property, all I have to do is call the landlord and say, something's broke, need you to fix it. You own it. And so this man's going to Jesus recognizing something's broke, you can fix it. And then this man reveals the greatest faith Jesus has ever seen. Look what Jesus goes on to say. After he gives his spiel, I know that you can do this. I know that just by your word. In verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now watch this. I told you earlier that when you see someone's faith, and faith should be evident, by the way. Faith isn't a secret. Faith isn't some secret compartment, uh, you know, uh, oh, I have faith for that. No, faith is evident. You can tell when someone's standing in faith for something. I've seen people standing in faith for a home, and that's their screensaver on their phone was the house. I've seen people stand in faith for, for finance. And, and so it's, it's active. You can see it. You can go to the gym and you can see who's been working out and who's been developing their muscles. And you can see what's been, and then you can see those that haven't. It's evident. You can see it. And so Jesus is saying, I've seen it, which tells us what? He's been exercising his faith in this arena. Of what? Just speak the word. You've got I've got a need. You've got the answer. I'm going to come to you, but you don't need to come to my place. I'll come to you. I don't need your presence. I just need your word. Wow. Wow. I don't need your presence, Jesus. I just need your word. His word is even greater than his presence. I'm thankful for his presence. I'm thankful that he goes with us everywhere. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He sticks closer to a brother. But there will be seasons in your life where he doesn't feel like he's right there. You don't need a feeling. You need his word. That's what you need. Lord, do you hear me? Yeah, he hears you. But even when it doesn't feel like he hears you, you have his word. And his word is all you need. And so this centurion exercised his faith and developed his faith in a specific arena. When I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. And the reason why my word works is because I'm submitted to this word. I've got a commander over me. Then there's an emperor. I've served the emperor. And so my word, when I speak my word, chain of command, because I'm submitted to that word, that has to submit to my word. Now you operate the same way I do. You, you are putting something into practice that I put into practice on a daily basis. So I know, I can tell because you're submitted to someone that stuff has to submit to you. All you need to do is speak a word. I'm telling you, man, we, 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 th this is the preparation God's looking for. And this man was being prepared with this level of faith and didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. Or what? Didn't even know it. I wonder what we're doing right now, what we're in. But there's going to come a season. 
There's gonna come a test and it's gonna draw on that very thing in you that right now feels like a test and feels like a trial and feels like a challenge, but God is working something in you because there's something greater coming and you're gonna need the faith, you're gonna need the courage, you're gonna need the development and you can't wait until the, t- the trial comes to develop it. This is your season. Endure it, persevere it, push through it because God's doing something. I don't know how many times I've been in seasons and we've, everybody's got a testimony. We can pass the mic around. Everybody's got a testimony where you've gone through something, man, I didn't know what it was for. I didn't know why I was going, but then now I know why you get to the end of the movie, the credits roll. It's like, oh, that's why. Let God finish his work in you. Let God complete his work in you. He said that he is faithful to complete it until the end. He's not gonna leave it halfway done. He's not gonna leave the scaffolding up and the, 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 the paint uh, stuff laying out and, and, and things halfway. Done. He's working on you, doing something in you. Let him work it. Let him do it. And that faith is getting developed. And then when the trial comes, then you're gonna go, oh, That's why that, that's why I was helping that person with that situation because now I'm going through the same exact situation or that's why I was going through it so I could help them with it later on. Come on. Man, God God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Faith is evident. Faith is visible. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was what? Prepared. Will be thrown into outer darkness where there there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's he saying? What I started out with. Just because I've arrived, Just because I came, just because my ministry's here, just because the Son of God is walking the earth, just because I'm gonna go to a cross, just because I'm gonna rise again, doesn't mean it's gonna change someone's life. And it was prepared for everyone, but they weren't prepared for it. They weren't prepared. What he's identifying is he's, he's actually in anguish at this moment at the irony that the very one who's gonna later drive nails through his hands is the one that has developed the greatest faith he's ever seen in all of Israel. But yet he is walking next to, sleeping with, traveling with, uh, 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 revealing himself to men right here. And they won't even see it. They'll miss it. See, our, our, our faith has got to be developed. Our faith has to be prepared. Our faith has to be ready when that time comes. But if we aren't prepared, we're not ready. What do they say? Preparation time is never wasted time. God's preparing you for something. God's doing something in you. God is is awakening things because there's something coming. If, if you won't at least endure it for right now, endure it because you'll need it later on. You'll need it later on. This isn't algebra. I promise you, you will use this later on in life. 
Right, 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 right. We'll need this. We need this preparation. Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home. Because you believed, it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. This level of faith is astounding. This level of faith is astonishing. But I want you to understand this today. That you can acquire this level of faith. One of the most encouraging things about this passage is that if God could do it for that man, how much more could he do for me that I'm in the kingdom, I am his child, I belong to him, the Holy Spirit lives in me and dwells upon me. How much more should I expect How much more should I be ready? How much more should I be prepared? How much more should God be willing and wanting to work on my behalf in the same way? Guys, what we we miss out, what 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 we fail to see worked in our lives is because we are diminished and deficient in that area in our faith. I wanna be built up, I wanna be strengthened, I wanna be, I I want to be practicing, applying. I don't ever wanna grow complacent, I don't ever wanna grow to a level where I can't grow beyond that. I want God to continually challenge me. What, What isn't tested can't be trusted. I want faith that is challenged, I want faith that is stirred up. See, people want great faith, but they don't want the trials that, develop the great faith. That would be like going to the gym and saying, I wanna look like them, but then never picking up a weight. Hello? I want faith like Abraham. Do you wanna be told by God himself to take your only son to the top of a mountain and kill him? Because that's where great faith (laughs) is developed. That's where great faith is developed. Behind every person of great faith in the word is a challenge or a test that produced. And the great thing about it is they're not any different than you and I. If anything, we have a greater measure. We have a greater measure. I look back at the Old Testament sometimes and you just feel like, man, if David could do that without the Holy Spirit, what can I do? If Moses could do that and Jesus hadn't even come yet and died for us, he hadn't even had his sins washed away yet, what can we do? I want to stir your faith up. I want to challenge your faith tonight. I want want to encourage your faith. That when it's being built, when it's being developed, when it's being, look, it might not feel good in the process. It might not feel good running the same drill over and over and over. It might not feel good being in the gym lifting weights over and over and over and, 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 and bringing pain and bringing, it might not feel good, but in the end, the product, you want to win. You want to overcome. You want to, to uh, see God work on your behalf. And there are limitations. There's limitations. Because even Paul had to say, in my weakness, he's made strong. He's made strong. 
His strength is revealed where I'm weak. His, he shows up when I can't do it anymore. But this is what we want. We want to sit back and, and tell God to do all of it. And he says, you do your part, and then I'll come in and do my part. We do what we can. We step out in faith. We step out in faith. We do what we can. We apply where we can. We practice where we can. And then watch God do the miraculous. Watch God do. That's what this weekend is all about. When we we have this uh, stretch season every year, this is not about what can we do. This is not about, we cannot give enough money. There's not enough money on the planet to fulfill what God has called us to do because it's not limited to money, but it's by the exercising and the stretching of our faith that God says that you've done what you can. Now watch what I can do. That's where doors open up. That's where, that's where favor starts to flow that, that man cannot give you. If you want to follow man's ways, you'll get man's results. This weekend is not a fundraiser, guys. This weekend is not a, not a, a Giving Tuesday uh, Facebook thing. I, 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 I've seen people do That's not what this is about. This is about a day of commemoration. This is about a day of building an altar. This is about a day of, of bringing to God what I can. As small as it may look. And then watching God do what he can do. That's what this is all about. He doesn't ask for much, but he does ask for all. (laughs) He doesn't ask for much, but he does ask for all. It was the woman that gave all she had, gave the two coins. Man, he put the spotlight on her. All these other people giving all these large amounts of money, giving out of their hand, but not giving out of their heart. There's no faith in that. God is moved by faith. God is moved to action, to work on our behalf by the faith that we operate and that we develop and that we put into practice. And man, when it's evident, when it can be seen, when when that uh, uh, level of faith is put into motion, God is saying, I can't but help to move on your behalf. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.